listening to the Real Life Church Podcast. To learn more about Real Life Church, including our gathering times in Yuma, Arizona, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Bob Van Horn. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Life Church. You know, a lot of people ask me a question that I'm going to try to answer today. What is real faith? We talk about faith all the time. It's like a buzzword here in church. You got to have faith. You need more faith. What is faith? I learned an acronym a long time ago, forsaking all, I trust him. That simply means that no matter what happens in my life, no matter where I'm going or what I'm doing, I am going to rely, trust, hope, count on God for everything. Now, the problem with that is sometimes life gets out of control. Things happen. Circumstances around us happen. And sometimes if your faith is not solid, it's easily shaken. We've been going through the book of James, and we're going to continue doing that here in just a couple seconds. But you know what the problem is today? We live in such a fake culture. Think about this. We live right here on the border. I can go across the border here and I can buy a $15,000 Rolex watch for about a hundred bucks. It looks real. It says it's real, but it's fake. Today, you can get fake nails. You can get fake hair. You can get fake teeth. You can get fake body parts. You can do fake tanning. You can go out and eat a taco with fake meat and fake cheese, and you can put fake sugar in your coffee. You can wear fake designer clothes. You can have fake leather and fake fur while you talk about fake news with your fake friends on social media with your fake identity. But there are some areas in your life where fake won't work. And that one being your faith. So today, we're going to talk about fake faith over real faith. God promises us over 6,000 promises in the Bible, from New Testament to Old Testament. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be a recipient of those some 6,000 promises, it's not going to be based on your fake faith. Fake faith has no power to transform you. Fake faith is not going to be able to get you through the struggles in life. So here we are in the second chapter in the book of James. We're going to have a little discussion this morning talking about what James describes as real faith over fake faith. My hope for you today is that all of us that are listening here have real faith. But if you find yourself today finding out that your faith isn't as real as it ought to be, I'm going to encourage you before the time we finish to make sure you know what real faith is and that you can have it even today. So our text from the morning comes from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. 
it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say that you have faith for you believe that there is one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now, after reading that passage, you might be misunderstanding a little bit of what James is talking about. And specifically, you might think that James and the other writer of the New Testament, Paul, they're conflicting, but they're really not. They're working together to make sure we understand what real faith is all about. Paul took a great emphasis on knowing how to know that I'm saved. James goes to great extent to say how you show that you're saved. Paul focused his writings on the root of salvation being internal and unseen, and James focuses on the fruit of your salvation, which is external and visible. Paul goes on to, and wants people to understand that keeping the works and the Jewish laws will not save you and are not necessary for salvation. And James says that works is absolutely necessary because we're living like Jesus. So what is real faith? In this little passage we read, James said there's five things that faith is not. And then later on in the passage, he talks about two examples of what real faith is all about. Let's examine ourselves today and ask the question, all right, is my faith real or is it fake? Here we go. Verse 14 says, brothers and sisters, he says, what's the use of saying? He goes on to say, you don't have faith unless you prove it by your actions. Now, the, the key word I want us to point out, and that is the word saying. This is important, and this is the first real faith statement. Real faith is more than just the words I say. It's more than memorized words. It's more than memorized prayers. I'll bet all of you have heard this before. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, etc., etc., etc. But praying that prayer and using those words doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't mean that you have faith because you've said something. Repeating ideas or something that someone else has said doesn't make you a Christian and doesn't give you real faith. Claiming that you have faith doesn't prove that you have faith. I have one of those routine statements that I like to say. Just because we live in America doesn't make us Christians, right? The routine statement I like to say is, you can say you're a Christian today. You can say that you're a believer today. Nothing's stopping you from saying that, but it's not the proof. It's not the ticket to heaven. But do you get my drift? You can say you're a Christian today, but the proof is in not what you say, it's in what you do. Matthew chapter 7, by the way, that Sermon in the Mount that we've been looking at kind of says the same thing. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? It's not what you say. It's what you do. I want to make sure that you get that. Saying it means nothing. The second thing in this passage that James brings up is real faith is more than just an emotion. 
You can be inspired. You can be emotionally moved. You can quiver. You can cry. You can have goosebumps. You can get really emotional and still not have real faith. James chapter 2, again, 15 and 17, basically says this. It says, suppose you see your brother and sister. They have need for food or clothing, and you say to them, hey, I wish you well. I feel for you. I hope you stay warm. I hope you eat well, and you do nothing to meet their needs. What good does your sympathy do? And he goes on to say, it's worth nothing. You can get all worked up. You can go to some religious revival. You can go to some camp experience. You can go to a moving service and you can get all emotional. You can feel everything about it. But I can tell you something, feelings by itself, emotion by itself, unless it's accompanied with real faith, is dead. It's useless. Getting all emotional, I'm not saying about you can't get emotional. It should be an emotional experience, but emotions by themselves is not real faith. Sometimes people need us to do instead of our sympathy, by the way. Third thing James says in this little passage about what, you know, real faith is, it's more than an idea that I debate. For some people, faith is just an intellectual decision to be debated. It's some type of mental challenge. It's theology to be studied. It's doctrine to be debated. It's dogma to be defended. It's an idea to be discussed or a truth to be talked about. In other words, their faith is something you talk about instead of something you do. You can think about God all day and all night, and you can have happy debates with people about it, but your conversion, the proof of your conversion is not your debate. It's the practice of the theology that you're studying. You can be a giant head knowledge person and know everything about God, but if if it's somehow not being manifested on your outside, you're missing it. You're not getting it. Our faith is all about doing what God has told us to do. Real faith comes by doing, not by knowing. Real faith is doing the work of Jesus. James, he has a lot to say about it, and he discusses things, but all of that discussion somewhere has to lead us into doing. The fifth thing that he says, the proof of your faith needs to be shown. And James says it, I have the right to ask you to prove your faith by your actions. James argues is that if God is who God says he is and he comes into your life and he doesn't visibly change you and he doesn't visibly transform you into his image and you're doing the things that Jesus did and the disciples did, if you're not doing ministry, then more than likely you maybe have fake faith. So the last thing that James says is that real faith is more than just truth, I believe. In verses 19 and 20, James said, you say, I believe there is a God. And he goes on to say, sarcasm here, good for you. Even the demons believe and they're afraid. They tremble, they shudder, they know that there's a God. Even when he says this, he says, the devil believes. The devil's not an atheist, he believes in God. And you probably should not be looking for the devil anywhere in heaven, because belief in itself is not enough. And say, 
A lot of our Bible verses that we know and the ones that we appreciate say, believe in the name of the Lord our God and you shall be saved. I believe that scripture verse to be absolutely what God wanted us to be, but belief is completely different maybe from our standpoint and then what God meant. Belief means obedience. Belief means doing. Belief means accomplishing God's work in you. That's what belief is. It's not just, I believe in God. Today, we live in America where everybody, almost everybody says that they believe in God, but that belief isn't enough. James says, show me that you're a Christian by your what? Works. And now what James does is he gives us two examples. The first one is Abraham, and the second one is Rahab. Abraham was a man. Rahab was a woman. Abraham was rich. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham's story is in the book of Genesis. Uh, and if you remember, one day, God comes to Abraham, it, not in Israel, not in Jerusalem, and nor is Abraham probably what we would call a good practicing Jew. What we would say is that God came to Abraham and said, hey, leave your country, leave your family, leave everything behind and go to a place where I'm going to show you and I will make you the father of many nations. And Abraham does exactly that. He gives up everything and follows God. And as we know, he becomes Father Abraham. And so that's one aspect. Now, What if Abraham had said, you know, I believe you, God. I believe you want to do that, and I'm real emotional about it. We can debate this, God, you know. His faith, it wasn't actually put into place until he got up and moved his stuff from here to there. That's when it was the proof of his faith in God. Rahab was the same way. You'll find her story in Joshua chapter 2. Jericho, a fortified city with big walls, and actually they were terrified of Moses and the army that was coming their way. And Rahab actually hid a couple spies in her house and had great faith in doing so. She hid spies in her home at fear of her own life. Isn't it amazing that, you know, she could have talked about it, she could have debated it, she could have got emotional about it. She did it. She showed her faith in the God who was surrounding Jericho at that time that she was going to trust him, and she did. And by the way, maybe you know this or maybe you don't, but if you go into the lineage of Jesus, you're going to find Rahab there because she was obedient and showed faith, a prostitute in the lineage of Jesus, right? Let me just kind of close with this illustration, a true story, by the way, 1920s. Does anybody know the guy named George Blondin? Blondin was a world-famous tightrope walker, and he used to walk tightrope across some pretty famous places. Niagara Falls, stretching a cable from the American side all the way to the Canadian side. Thousands of people showed up on the day that he was going to do this, and it says that he walked across the tightrope, and the crowd went crazy. They went nuts as he walked across and landed over on the other side. They're jumping up and down, they're shouting, they're clapping. And you know what Blondin does? He raises his hand and he says, just a second, I'm going to do it again. And he says, this time I'm going to go across and I'm going to take a wheelbarrow with me. And so he goes across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow. He teeters here and there, but he crosses safely. He actually gets to the other side. He's confronted by a man there. He says, you are the greatest performer of all time. 
I believe that you could do that a hundred times. I believe you could do this for the rest of your life with your eyes closed. I believe in you. And Mr. Blondin looked up to him and said, you, you really believe in me? Oh, yes, the man said. I have faith in you. I think you could do it a hundred times. And Blondin just kind of dumped out the wheelbarrow and said, friend, get in the wheelbarrow. That's the test of faith. You can say it, but the real test is, let's see, you get in the wheelbarrow and let's see if I can do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes, test yourselves. Maybe today you're finding out that maybe your faith is not as real as you would like it to be, or maybe you don't have real faith at all and you've been relying on fake faith. Have you stepped across that line yet? Do you know that today you can make Jesus your real Savior? Now, I want to clarify this because this is important. Don't get confused by what we've talked about today. Because a lot of people will come back and say, Oh, Pastor, it sounds like to me that you're talking about works in order for me to be saved. And I'm going to tell you that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, and actually the Bible says it very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace through faith. And then you've been saved for a life of good works. Goes on to say, which God has prepared in advance for us. So there are kind of like three prepositions in that phrase. We're saved by grace we're saved through faith, and we're saved for a life of good works. So you can't be saved by your good works. That, that can't happen. You're saved by faith, by grace, through faith. But once you are saved, once that life transformation has taken place, then we were saved for good works. The proof that you're a believer today is the good works that you're doing in Jesus' name. So let me close with a couple pointed questions. Are you really a Christian after all? And if James was to ask you, prove it. What do you show him? Please measure it up with what he just said. What are you going to show him? You can't debate it. You can't say, I cried once, or I walked down an aisle, I memorized a prayer, I repeated a prayer after somebody. That's not going to work. The proof that you are a believer today is that you are actually doing the work of the ministry in which God has called you to do. And if you haven't done that, would you consider some type of prayer for your life that kind of goes like this? God, I don't want to have fake faith. I really want to trust you to change my life for good. I want to be different than what I am today. And I recognize I'm asking you to change me. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to help me just like you did Abraham and just like you did Rahab. Jesus, I want to live my life with real faith. That's the key right there. Asking God to forgive you. When that happens, he transforms your heart. This is so important, so important. Look, you don't have to work on going out and doing works. When you have that transformed heart, it just happens. It does. It happens. You just go out and do ministry because of Jesus inside of you. Real faith versus fake faith. Man, I pray today that you've got real faith, the faith that Paul talked about and the faith that James talked about in our text today.
Let me pray for you. God, thanks for this, wow, uh, just this heavy word. Lord, I feel heavy about it because, again, it's, it's strong. It means that there are no Christians in secret out there. It means that we're busy about doing whatever it is that you've called us to do. Lord, we can't debate it. We can't believe enough about it. We can't rely upon on what somebody else has done or memorized prayer. God, the proof is our life. And God, I pray that we would take off our own blinders, that we would be uh, just like the, the, the passage said in Corinthians, to test ourselves, to know, am I really a believer? Does my life measure up to what James? Show me the proof. Show me your works. Lord, the proof is in our life. And I pray, Father, that we would show up with proof in hand when, as we stand before you. God, thanks for this word. I'm looking forward to until we meet again. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. I hope, again, you'll look at yourself, test yourselves, and find yourself with real faith instead of fake faith. Until then, God bless you guys. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at reallifeyuma.com or download the Real Life Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Real Life Church Podcast.